Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Most believers, it seems, have a particular love for the book of the Psalms. The Psalms, far more than just a random collection of Bible stories and doctrines, actually flow out of the deep feelings, expressions, and experiences of godly men. And what flows out of these ones, though at times reflecting their human thought and concept, at other times expresses the deep and profound thought of God directly. God's speaking through this book is full of the divine revelation. And if we possess the keys to enter into this divine revelation, the Psalms will become even more precious, more enlightening, and will usher us all into God's presence, His heart, and especially His heart's desire. Ron Kangas has joined us as we uh, launch on what will be, I think, a long journey. Ron, the life study of the Psalms is a lengthy one, but... uh, marvelous uh, opportunity to come together right at the beginning here and I think kind of set the tone. So I'm anxious to hear what you have to offer today. To set the tone, this is what we are trying to do here. And we'd like to present something to our listeners that they can uh, gradually adjust to what some may consider a radical interpretation and understanding of the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And we're not here toying with our listeners. We're not being coy. We'd like to present it up front. What we will see in the Psalms from beginning almost to the end are two lines or two perspectives. And one line or one perspective is that of the psalmists as godly people in their prayers, their praises, even their complaints uh, regarding various situations. And much of the view related to this is natural. It's not the divine revelation. They're expressing a natural human view of matters. Mm often based upon right and wrong, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That we'll see, for instance, in a psalm such as Psalm 1. But because the psalmists loved the Lord, were open to the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord could come in, enter in to their speaking, and then the Spirit would speak within the psalmist's speaking. Yeah then the concept changes, the perspective changes, and there's a divine viewpoint presenting the divine revelation with the divine thought. What we're saying is, is that in some Psalms, the human thought and concept dominates, whereas in other Psalms, the divine thought, the divine revelation is predominant. 
So the essence of our entire view of the whole book of Psalms is there are two lines going through. The line of the human concept, the human perspective, and the line of the divine thought and the divine revelation. And I believe the seeking ones among our listeners will appreciate the help of the ministry in discerning between these two and focusing on the divine revelation spoken by the Spirit of God in and through and by the speaking of the psalmists. Ron, for two reasons, I'd like to read a couple of verses now from chapter 1 and chapter 2, both to underscore and strengthen what you just shared, also to set the stage for our first section of Witness Lee. We only have two today. But it's related to this matter of the two concepts, the human concept that's present and the divine. When we come back after listening to Witness Lee's portion, I'd like to add this to uh, what you feel to share then, Ron, but address this question. Uh, Since every word is God's word, uh, how can we make such a distinction? It's all part of the divine revelation in one sense. But let's hold that until we get back. Uh, But I do want to at least acknowledge, because I I believe probably it's fair to assume that some of our listeners have already had that thought. If not, they'll get that thought, I think. So we we like to put it on the table, and we will surely address it. But now that we've presented the notion that two concepts come in uh, through the psalmists, one divine, one human, I think when we read these verses in Psalm 1 and 2, it will uh, illustrate that quite uh, directly. Psalm 1 Verse 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand on the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers. Rather, his delight is in the law of Jehovah, and in his law he meditates by day and by night. Now, Psalm 2, But I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will recount the decree of Jehovah. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Verse 12, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way, for his anger may suddenly be kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. So we're exalting the law in Psalm 1, but there's a definite change of emphasis in Psalm 2. And let's join Witness Lee as he uh, brings us this first portion. The Psalms were written according to two kinds of concepts. You have also to pick up this point. Otherwise, you couldn't understand Psalms. Firstly, the human concept of the writers produced out of the good nature created by God, formed with the traditions of the holy race. Israel was a holy race, very, very much cultured. Then the second, the divine concept, taking Christ as is centrality and universality. In his divinity, humanity, human living, all inclusive death, life, imparting and seed-producing resurrection, glorification, ascension, appearing in glory, and reigning forever. All these points are clearly, even in detail, revealed in the Psalms. But let me apply we apply the two kinds of concepts to Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. The two Psalms are two kinds of decorations. One is made by the psalmist according to their human concept, and the other decoration is made by God 
according to his divine concept concerning Christ as his centrality and universality. Psalm 1 was a declaration by David. Psalm 2 was also a declaration by David. But Psalm 1 was declared according to his human concept. Then Psalm 2 was also his declaration, but according to the divine concept. One speaker, firstly, the human speaking came out. While he was speaking humanly, uh, the tone changed. Another speaking came out according to the divine concept. The human concept of the holy writers uplifted law as their central emphasis to treasure the law and remain in it for their whole life. The divine concept of the unveiling God exalts Christ as his central choice. Okay, Ron, let's come back uh, to the topic that we just heard Witness Lee share on that we were talking about before we uh, joined him, and that is the idea of how could a human concept be present in the divine word. This is not something unique to the Psalms. Consider the book of Job, the speaking of Job's comforters or friends or companions. They are presenting their opinion. They are not essentially conveying the point of view of the divine revelation, but a human concept. Nevertheless, all the words recorded in Scripture are inspired by God. They're the breath of God. All Scripture is God-breathed. But not all Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, is the word from God conveying the divine revelation. When the serpent was lying to Eve and slandering God to her, that should not be taken as a divine revelation, but it should be taken as an inspired record breathed out by God, exposing the mind of God's enemy as embodied in the speaking of the serpent. Likewise, even in the New Testament, you have an inspired record. All Scripture is God-breathed, but not all the speaking there should be regarded as God's own revelation of what is in his being, what is in his heart. Right. In other words, we're distinguishing between the inspiration of the Scriptures and the infallibility of the Scriptures as breathed out by God, inspired by him. We're distinguishing between that and the claim that some might innocent or naively make that every word recorded in the Bible expresses the divine thought. Some words express Satan's thought, and many other words express the human thought. So in Job, chapter after chapter of dialogue, the record is divinely inspired, 
But the speaking is human. It's natural. Mm -hmm. In the Psalms, we see the same thing in principle. You have godly persons. Sometimes they're praising the Lord. Sometimes they're perplexed, as in Psalm 73. And they're praying and singing and praising, often according to their concept. So in Psalm 1, the concept is, the man is blessed who keeps the law. Mm -hmm. We should be law keepers. We love the law. We want to keep the law. Well, we'll see in later messages the proper function of the law according to God and his economy as revealed in Galatians 3, for instance. But David, on the one hand, could delight in the law, yet he, and it's time to use this word, egregiously violated the law, as we all know, committing adultery and murder. So in Psalm 1, the emphasis is on delighting in the law and The one who does is like a tree whose roots go down by the water and the river. And so the thought is keeping the law, delighting in the law, being good and not being evil. Then we come to Psalm 2, and it's as if we're in another universe. And the focus is not the law, but the Son of God, the Christ of God, installed by God on Mount Zion. And there's a prophecy concerning his being begotten, the Son of God, and his humanity in resurrection. And we're not exhorted to keep the law, but to kiss the Son and to take refuge in him. So let's simplify the matter for understanding. The contrast we're talking about is between two Ks, keeping the law or kissing the sun. The human concept, the religious concept, the pious concept of the Old Testament saints was focused on keeping the law, delighting in the law, obeying the law, etc. The divine concept is the law is to bring you to Christ the Son that you may be justified by faith. Don't keep the law. You can't keep the law. David's history proves you can't keep the law. Kiss the sun. So let's lay it out before our listeners this way. Which will you exalt? The law or the sun? And which will you practice? Keeping the law or kissing the sun? We do not say that keeping the law is bad. Of course it's not bad. And the law is holy and righteous and good. But sinful human beings cannot keep all of its precepts. So our listeners should expect a very strong emphasis on, quote, kissing the Son, loving the Lord, believing in Him, being one with him, exalting him, enjoying him, experiencing him, praising him, turning from the law to him. Hmm. 
Well, a number of things jump out of me. We want to go back and pick up Witness Lee. Uh, this second section today, Ron, we're going to stay right on this line. The stress of the divine view in the Psalms clearly is Christ. We'll see that it includes the church as his house and the city as his kingdom, and that's where we want to come in this final section. Let's join Witness Lee. According to divine concept, the central thought of the book of Psalms is Christ as revealed in plain words, like the Lord Jesus said in Luke 24:44, and the church as the house of God and the city of God for his kingdom as typified by the temple and the city of Jerusalem. Absolutely different. One book, but in two kinds of tones. One tone is uttered according to human concept. And the other tone is uttered according to the divine concept. How could this be? Just because these writers, they were wrong in their understanding according to the concept, no doubt about it. But they were godly men. They were very close to God. So while they were speaking Roundly, God comes to speak through them. Could you see this? Because they were so intimate, so close, even so one, I would say, with God. While they were speaking roundly, right away, God pick up their speaking to speak. You should not cut Psalm 1 from Psalm 2. The two Psalms were one speaking, all speaking by David. But the first psalm was uttered according to the human concept spoken by David directly. Then the second psalm was also David speaking, but the tone was uttered by God. Then in Psalms 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, the same thing. Again, David's tone. Then after Psalm 7, all of a sudden, God's tone came. That is Psalm 8. How excellent, you see, in Psalms 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, we will see how poor, just a mass on this earth. Enemies, murderers, this and that, all kind of troubles. But all of a sudden, Psalm 8 came in to say, how excellent is your name on the earth. When your name is away, the earth is a mess. When your name is here on the earth, the earth is excellent. Whose name? The name of the one who became a human being. Little lower than the angels. And also the one who passed human life and died and resurrected and ascended to the heavens to be glorified and honored there. When this one's name is on this earth, the earth becomes excellent. Ron, he just concluded with Psalm 8, verse 1, and uh, this book of Psalms hits a peak very early. Uh, Just in eight chapters, we come to how excellent is your name in all the earth. Really clearly leaves us with the central focus where it properly belongs on the divine concept, doesn't it? It does. Talk about the divine point of view. O Lord, Our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. If we look at the earth in the light of the 10 o'clock news, 
and the front pages of the newspapers, it would be quite difficult to say, Lord, your name is excellent in all the earth. But from God's point of view, from the point of view of the divine revelation, the psalmist can declare under the divine light, O Lord, your name is excellent over all the earth. That's Psalm 8. Psalm 1, keeping the law, delighting in the law. Psalm 2, turn to Christ the Son in God's economy. Psalms 3 through 7, down we go, back we go to the human thought, the natural concept. It's precious, it's pious, it's sometimes even comforting. We can identify with it, but frankly, it's not the divine thought. Then we arrive by divine arrangement, no doubt, at Psalm 8, And here we are, exalting the Son of God, declaring that his name is exalted in all the earth, appreciating Christ in God's economy. So I believe we've, if not made our case, we're not really lawyers here, but we're trying to present the truth in a way that, to show it's it's substantiated. Right. There's a big difference between Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 regarding Christ. There is. And there is a big difference between Psalms 3 and 7 and Psalm 8 regarding Christ. So we must faithfully point out the difference. Some Psalms are written from the human perspective, with the human concept, with human feelings. Others are written from the divine perspective with a divine concept and the divine feeling concerning Christ. Mm. We should read the Psalms with such a discernment because we would be bold to say they were inspired by God in this way. And the Lord of whom the Psalms speak according to the Lord's word in Luke 24, Mm -hmm. is eager that we see Christ, concentrate on Christ, appreciate Christ, experience Christ, enjoy Christ, and exalt Christ as he is unveiled in the Psalms. Where do we get to Psalm 74? Where do we get to Psalm uh, 45? And then 72 and 110? But in order to have the proper appreciation of Christ in the divine revelation, we need to recognize these two lines, these two perspectives, these two concepts. Then the contrast will cause us, we trust, to really appreciate our wonderful Christ. Mm. Well, you used a word uh, in our earlier fellowship, a struggle. It seems that as David and the other psalmists were sort of toggling back and forth between these two concepts, these two points of emphasis, whether it be the law or the very Christ of God, uh, they were uh, in their own struggle that seems to match 
I think what is all of our struggle, and that is that we come to Christ, we love him, and how easy it is for us to turn into good things, religious things, but things other than Christ himself. And uh, gradually over time, the Lord uses our failures, our struggles, to unveil more of this one who should be all of our central focus and central thought. Uh, Well said. This is our personal situation, not only the psalmist's situation. It is for this reason that this particular line of ministry and this series of messages are so promising, so helpful, and so supplying in helping the loving seekers of the Lord all over the earth to turn their whole being Mm -hmm. to the Christ of God and to delight in Him according to the divine revelation and in keeping with the divine economy. Ron, a uh, marvelous chance to come together in fellowship just as we begin this uh, journey as I described it. And we hope that uh, you will contact us and get these volumes of the Life Study of the Psalms, our toll-free number 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks so much for listening today. been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. To discover more of what Living Stream has to offer, please visit ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll be able to read over 600 titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee online and free of charge. Again, the website, ministrybooks.org. Thanks for listening today.